0: Now, Birdsong, fun and fascinating talk about the top stories in today's headlines. Birdsong may just be the most qualified talk show host in the business, thanks to his many careers in law, government, and education. Here's your host, Leonard Birdsong.
1: Hello, folks. This is Birdsong back with you on the radio for another week of uh, information and entertainment. Maybe you'll even learn something. I've got EJ with me. She's going to do a little talking today about some of the things that we're talking about. We always start with the news of the week, of the good, the bad, and the ugly of the news. Let's start right away with the good. We learn that Prince Harry and Duchess Meghan are expecting their first child. The Associated Press reported that Prince Harry and his wife, the Duchess of Sussex, are expecting a child in the spring in 2019. Yay! Their royal highnesses have appreciated all of the support they have received from people around the world since their wedding in May, and they are delighted to be able to share the happy news with the public, the palace said. Isn't that something? The prince and the former actress married in a glittering service in Windsor last May. I talked about it on the radio. That was from the Associated Press. The New York. I think
0: that's a great, great news.
1: Yeah, I think it's great news too. Yeah, it's really good news for sure, and maybe even great well, news. Well,
0: I know that she was. She's in her late. She's in her late thirties, and so she had expressed uh, an interest in in getting pregnant. <laughs> She needed to be getting pregnant as soon as possible. I saw one of those movies about their love story.
1: All right. Well, that's a good way of looking at it. The New York Post newspaper had a headline about the whole thing. It says, Mama Mia, Meg's pregs. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's New York uh, newspaper speak.
0: Right. Well, I just hope that the baby is healthy.
1: We uh, really do. All right. Let's there's more good news. You know that I am against the death penalty, even though I was a federal prosecutor and a defense attorney. I don't like the death penalty. I think it should be abolished. There's some information here that the 20th state in the United States has ended the death penalty. It just happened this past week.
0: Yay!
1: Washington State Supreme Court, or Washington State Supreme Court, struck down the death penalty last Thursday, ruling. It had been used in an arbitrary and racially discriminating manner. Washington has had a moratorium on execution since 2014, but the ruling makes it the 20th state to do away with capital punishment. The uh, use of the, the death penalty is unequally applied, sometimes...
0: Based on even, whether the, where they live and what the crime was.
1: Right. I, what I'm doing, I'm reading a quote from the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Her name is Mary Fairhurst. She's the Chief Justice of the Washington uh, Supreme Court, and she was talking about uh, the inequality or the inequity of the death Death penalty. penalty. But the bottom line is that she says that our capital punishment law lacks fundamental fairness. Mm. We will not put people to death They can have life in prison or life without parole.
0: Well, in Florida, there is a death penalty, and uh, in the Orlando area, there's a state attorney who uh, refuses to impose it, and she was slapped, her hands were slapped by the governor who took away cases from her where death penalty was a possible uh, penalty for for uh, crimes.
1: Well, and she is making the best of it. Mm -hmm. More good. If you are a Social Security recipient, there's good news. In 2019, there will be a COLA, that is a cost of living adjustment. It'll be the highest in the last seven years. Story says 10 millions of Social Security recipients and other retirees will get a 2.8% boost in benefits next year. As inflation edges higher, it's the biggest increase most retired baby boomers have gotten in a long time.
0: Well, that means that the cost of living is going up. Well, that's, that's why they impose those increase, or not impose, but
1: authorize increases. Right. Cost of living adjustments are what they're called. Now, I don't know. It says that the average amount uh, to your Social Security will be about $39 with this 2.8%. Hey,
0: that's a nice dinner.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you might be right.
0: Pay your electric bills.
1: (laughs) All right, so that's the good news we have for this week. Now let's talk about the bad news. You've heard us on this program talk about there have been quite a few situations the last year or two about where white people call the police on black people who are doing nothing more than going about their lives. E.J. is going to tell us about the latest story that came up this past week. It's yours.
0: Uh Well, thank you, Birdsong. Now, the latest story is that a black man arrived at the entrance to his building in St. Louis uh, late uh, Friday night last week, uh, only to find himself blocked by a white neighbor who demanded proof he lived there. He said, please move, ma'am. Darian Tolles said in the video he recorded the encounter. Smart thing. But he showed uh, this woman with her dog on a leash standing in the doorway at the condo complex. The elder shirt lost. I can't. I can. But do you live here? He said, yes. I, I've already answered that question. Now, let me excuse me. So... But she refused to move, and she said, I'm not touching you. But she said, if you want to come in my building, he said, well, this is my building, too. You're not the owner, he said. And excuse me. So finally, he, he showed her his uh, fob, key fob. I guess you can put that against the uh, some kind of pad, and that will unlock the door. So... That he should, but it, it, you should go online and check it out. It's uh, it's interesting. But she uh, followed him, got on the elevator with him. She asked him, well, what what's your unit? He said, I don't have to tell you that. What's yours? And so she told him. He said, well, I live on the fourth floor. Her unit was on the third floor. So she gets on the elevator with him, doesn't get off on the third floor, gets off on the fourth she said, he said, okay, so you're going to follow me? And she said, yes, I am. Followed him. She says, well, I don't know you, but if you live here, who are you going to visit? She said, he had already told her he lived there. So he goes to his front door. He puts the key in there, opens it and he says, see, I do live here. He says, well, she said, I didn't know who you were. Uh, we should we should meet each other then. He said, oh, okay, lady, goodbye and closed the door. He said, I should call the police on you. 30 minutes later, the police show up. He, she called the police on him after he went into his apartment. That he did, fortunately the police didn't do anything. But, but, uh, turns out she's, uh, separated from a husband who is a man of color. His mother is white. His father is black. So he posted, on the on the uh, Facebook his Facebook page that they've been separated for a year that uh, she worked for the business that she has which is another building enterprise she's a manager of an upscale apartment building and she he fired her so now I guess she's got to move out of the condo that that she was sharing that it was his I guess
1: all right all that goes to prove is that. These suspicious white folks who want to call the police on black people who are going about their lives end up losing their jobs.
0: Exactly. Now she doesn't have the money for that. Obviously, their relationship didn't work out too well. What, I, what she could have done easily, that he's in the apartment, she could have called the super, called the uh, building manager. He named the building manager, which showed he knew how, who it was. And she could have asked him because she asked the gentleman his name. She she could have checked on that first before calling the police. Come on. There was no urgency. He was already in the apartment. And if she thought he was trying to break in, why is she confronting this man? You would think she'd want to run to her apartment and lock her door.
1: Who knows? Maybe he was a good-looking guy and she was really flirting with him. But she's without a job right now. That's a bad story. I'm, I'm tired of these kind of stories. They really are bad. Let's go on to another bad story, in my opinion. Many of you probably saw it. It was last Thursday. It was on the news. The headline says, Kanye's freestyle riffs dominate the Oval Office, declaring that his red magma hat makes him feel like Superman. Rapper Kanye West made a freestyling appearance in the Oval Office. Ahead of a private lunch, President Donald Trump and West spoke with reporters as they sat across from each other at the resolute desk. West dominated the conversation with a series of monologues that touched on social policy, mental health endorsement deals, and his support for the president. Trump is on his hero's journey right now, said West, who dropped the F-word, floated policy proposals, and went in for a hug. (laughs) West, West said that many people believe... That if you're black, you have to be a Democrat and said he was pressured not to wear the hat. But it makes me feel good. Make America great again. Boy, oh, boy. Talk about bonkers, huh?
0: Superman.
1: Yeah, he feels like Superman when he wears a hat. That's what he said. He said a lot of stuff. Again, I don't know if this is just hype. I don't know if this is just for his latest uh, record that's going to or recording that's going to drop. But it is really something. I think it's bad, really bad. But now, we've talked about some good and we've talked about some bad. Let's talk about the ugly. Last week when we did our recording, the there was a Hurricane Michael. Hurricane Michael was bearing down on the Gulf Coast of the United States. Generally, it was the panhandle of Florida, But it also was bearing down on Alabama, Georgia, and the Carolinas
0: and Virginia. And
1: Virginia. Now, it came in. It came in as a Category Four monster. It ships. It uh, sowed widespread destruction and grief along the Gulf Coast. It was a Category Four hurricane. It's the first Category 4 hurricane to make landfall in Florida in the Panhandle in recorded history. It was the fourth-strongest hurricane landfall in U.S. history by wind speed. It was the third-strongest hurricane at landfall in U.S. history by internal barometric, barometric pressure. Now, historically, powerful Hurricane Michael crashed onto the panhandle on last Wednesday afternoon, came in about 2 o'clock, 155 mile per hour sustained winds and 14-foot storm surges and uh, a foot of rainfall in Florida alone.
0: Right. That was a week ago Wednesday.
1: And it went on to Georgia, Alabama, Georgia, the Carolinas, and Virginia.
0: Oh, I didn't know Alabama, too. far as i know oh well i was i saw on the news an interesting story human interest story that um this gentleman in marianna florida he said he wasn't leaving his property leroy wilson and his family lived in a modest one-story brick house and um they, it, that house meant more to them than a roof over their heads. They showed a, a photograph of a bowling alley that was trashed from the hurricane. But, uh, he felt that his brick house was going to, uh, stay standing and it did. But the reason that that house meant so much to him was because his ancestors lived on this land as slaves before his grant And then his grandfather bought five acres of that land in 1874, right after his emancipation. And then over the years, five generations bought more acreage. So that small amount of land developed into a huge amount of property. And so when they, um, when Hurricane Michael ripped through that area, neighbors and uh, family members came there to um, to get uh, get out of the storm and um, because their his daughter's house a tree fell on that and then another relative that happened to but his house stood still and them and his wife was uh, feeding all these people. In this city, you know, Mariana is called the city of Southern Charm. But they have not had any hurricanes, certainly not this this uh, to this extent. But his wife, Annal said or Annel, said they just prayed a lot. But his brother's house is barely habitable. Um. It's a a lovely story. Two giant, the town of Mariana is uh, downtown. It's three blocks centered by a courthouse with memorials to a Civil War battle and the dead of World War II. But there are two giant oak trees that shade the front door of the courthouse. One of them is known as the hanging tree from the days of slavery. That tree still stands.
1: Hopefully there's no hangings.
0: Hopefully not. All right, but they weren 't going anywhere, and their son, who uh, teaches at the University of Alabama, called because he wanted to make, he knew they weren 't going anywhere, so he wanted to check on them, make sure they were okay,
1: but they are we 're glad that they went through the hurricane and came out alive. The town of Mexico Beach, Florida. Now, I've lived in Florida quite a while. I'd never heard of Mexico Beach. It has been demolished. It was a city, a small town rather, on the sea, on the Gulf of Mexico. It was three miles long and two miles deep, and it has been devastated. There's nothing but splintered boards, broken glass, chunks of asphalt, and other debris. The death toll now from this is up to thirty people. Mm. Now that's not just in Florida, but that's Florida, the Carolinas, and Virginia.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, this was an awful hurricane, and there's awful destruction. I think that thirty people dying is probably pretty good, considering it came in at a hundred and fifty-five miles per hour wind. That's the largest amount of wind in Florida ever.
0: Well, I saw some of those people in Mexico Beach who stayed there. One woman, she had a three-story house, and that's the – I guess it was made so sturdily that they survived. They were on the upper level. Water came in the front lo- – on the first floor, but their roads are blocked. They're like three blocks from the beach. So the only way they can get uh any kind of uh goods or anything is just by um, – Either somebody, a boat coming in and dropping off stuff or helicopters. And I hear helicopters are being dropped. They're even dropping down a porta potties.
1: <laughs> well, thank heavens. All right. The last thing about the, the hurricane is today's paper reports that Goodwill Industries will be making clothes and shoes and household items uh, available to people for free who've lost them in Florida.
0: Are they going to ship stuff from other locations?
1: Yes, that's wo- that's oh, what yes? they say. That's, oh, that's that's what I said.
0: That's great.
1: All right. Now, the last ugly story is one that many of you've heard about. Saudi Arabia is preparing to claim that dissident journalist Jamal Khashoggi was killed in a consulate in Istanbul during a botched interrogation.
0: That's horrid.
1: A story intended to shield the ruling royal family from blame, reports the news. The Saudi journalist who writes or wrote for the Washington Post was an critical of the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman. Uh, he died after being questioned in Turkey before he was supposed to be abducted. Now, supposedly, it's unclear really what happened. We have evidence Surveillance evidence of him walking into this consulate in Turkey, but he never came out. Supposedly, there was a Saudi squad of people that went there and went to the consulate, interrogated him, and accidentally killed him. But one of them had a bone saw.
0: Quote, unquote, accidentally. (laughs) Right.
1: And no one ever saw him leave the consulate, and there's no body to be found that the belief is he's been cut up and carried away in pieces. Now, Mr. Trump, our president is close to the Saudi government and the Saudi regime. He says he's made lots of money from them. He doesn't want to say they did this, but it looks bad. He says they're guilty until proven innocent. This is a bad thing. No,
0: he's saying that, that he's saying that that's what people are their view is that they're guilty, but they should be given a chance to explain themselves. Even though, well, from what we hear, he the guy had on an Apple Watch, and his fiance was out there with holding his phone, and he, you know, was able to send record what was going on.
1: Yeah, but we pressed ha- a button. But we haven't had ver- verification of he that. He hasn't we, verification. No, it hasn't been completely verified. Okay. But anyway, this is a bad and ugly. It's not a bad story. This is an ugly story. There, there will be more about it stay tuned you're listening to Birdsong. i'm here with ej we're giving our opinions about what's been happening in the news over the past week there's more stick with us you'll learn something and you'll have a little fun too folks back with you. I said we'd be back. Stay tuned. This is Birdsong. Song. EJ is here with me as usual. She's my friend. We uh, just talked about the news of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now you're going to hear some recent dumb criminal stories that I've been working on and some riddles. Our first story this day or this week comes from Alaska. The headline read, it's a crime of mammoth proportions. We learned that an estimated 10,000 year old mammoth tusk weighing 100 pounds has been stolen from a Campbell Creek Science Center. The Federal Bureau of Land Management, which runs the center, has offered a $500 reward for tips leading to its recovery. If you've seen a 10,000-year-old mammoth tusk that weighs 100 pounds laying around somewhere, please report it. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Australia, how about this one? A horse of a different color, said the headline. We learned that a fallen off the wagon lady was arrested for riding her horse into a bar allegedly while drunk. And that's funny in itself. Wow. <laughs> the story goes on to say the 51-year-old was allegedly drinking wine from a bottle when police caught her trotting through the Logan City Tavern in Queensland, Australia. Police took both the horse and the lady into custody. She was jailed to let her sleep it off while the horse was led home. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. (laughs) But you can't talk to a horse. All right, California. Headline, and it was not really his house. It's been reported that an intruder made himself at home inside a residence, taking a shower, munching on Doritos, and even ordering the owner to get out. As he stood sopping wet from a shower in the elderly homeowner's master bedroom, Neil Myers, 41, barked at the man, quote, This is my house. You need to leave. End quote. Of course, responding police arrested Myers, who was wearing clothes from the owner's closet. <laughs> He's now in the slammer. <laughs> oh, God, there are so many crazy people out there. Here's another story from California. The headline says, the real meaning of the high, no nope, the real meaning of the mile high club. That's the headline. We learned that a Southwest Airlines passenger reportedly lit up a joint in a bathroom of a San Francisco to LA flight. Mm. When the smoke set off a fire alarm in late May, the plane was diverted to San Jose. Mm. Authorities said the passenger was turned over to law enforcement. Remember that old song? Do you know the San, the way to San Jose? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. He,
0: you know, they say you're not supposed to smoke on an airplane and don't smoke in the bathroom either. Maybe he felt that this he had an exception to the rule. It wasn't a cigarette.
1: Yeah. But that's ridiculous. Of course it's ridiculous. Story from Canada. Pie-eyed. That's the headline. Police in Elgin, Ontario, responding to a 911 call, arrived at a restaurant to find a 32-year-old woman enraged over what she said was a too slow preparation of her pizza order. Police instructed her to dial 911 only in a real emergency. There's no word if she got her pizza. Mm-hmm.
0: She must have been real
1: hungry. (laughs) I'm sure she was. Colorado, the headline, hair today, gone tomorrow. A burglar was arrested for breaking into a barbershop and giving himself a haircut while naked. (laughs) Jerry Palmer, 30, allegedly climbed into great clips in Boulder, Colorado, through a window and peeled off his clothes. Two police officers entered with guns drawn and found Palmer in his birthday suit. He was arrested on charges of second-degree burglary, felony criminal mischief, and second-degree criminal tampering. I don't know why these people have to go in other places, other people's houses and stores, and get naked to do whatever they're going to do. A story from Florida. Dope, dopey Meth Head reads the headline. Dopey Meth Head. We learned that Douglas Kelly, 49, of the town of Hawthorne, Florida, thought he had been sold a bad batch of crystal meth. So what did he do about it? He called the police to press charges against the dealer. Of course, deputies invited Kelly to bring in the meth to be tested. He did so, and you know what happened. He was promptly arrested for drug possession. Dopey meth head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know.
1: Here's another one from Florida. Headline just said, idiot. A man was so irritated by a drone Hovering over his home, he fired seven gunshots at it and missed it with every round. His name, William Yates, 39 years old, of Bradenton. You've been to Bradenton, haven't you? I have. He tried to blast the drone, um, but of course he didn't hit anything. He said he had done this because he worried that a psycho was spying on his family, according to police. There's no information on whether he was arrested, but the drone is is still intact.
0: Bradenton is right there near um, Sarasota, south of Tampa on the Gulf Coast.
1: Mm-hmm. France. This story is from France. Headline read, International travel can really blow. A flight from Belfast in Northern Ireland to Ibiza off the coast of Spain had to make an emergency landing due to rowdy passengers who were playing with a blow-up sex doll. The Jet 2 flight made a pit stop in France after a parent complained about disruptive members of a bachelor party fiddling with a plastic doll in front of a child. Oh, we learned further that none of the men were arrested. No information on the blow-up doll. Whether it got
0: arrested or
1: not. <laughs> <laughs> or whether it was confiscated.
0: Well, Visa is, one of, is a, some kind of uh,
1: party. Yeah, it's an island. So people go there to party from Spain.
0: Right. Other places too. It's well, yeah. Kind of upscale.
1: Yeah, it resort is.
0: Resort type.
1: All right. I've never been there though. Last story for today comes from Kentucky. Now listen to this closely. This is the headline: These police had eyes out. A state police trooper, a retired police colonel, and a county county coroner were arrested, allegedly for transporting moonshine and a stolen pair of donor eyeballs. Robert Harris, Mike Crawford, and John Gobel are also accused of stealing $40,000 in ammunition and weapons near the town of Georgetown, Kentucky, according to the police. These police had eyes out. Moonshine and a pair of stolen donor eyeballs. Boy, oh boy. (laughs) these stories are all true they never go away they really they really are something they're dumb criminal law stories they never end all right but we have some real riddles riddles here for you let me see here ej i don't know if you've heard of any of these i don't want you to try to answer but listen and maybe you can come up with the answers
0: i'll try
1: why did the dog cross the road twice Why did the dog cross the road twice? Just think about it. The next riddle. What's black and white and black and white and green? What's black and white and black and white and green? Think about that one. Finally, a man bought a talking parrot, but he soon took it back to the pet store to get his money back. Why? Now, I don't know if you can figure those out, but I'll come back at the end, and I'll tell you what they are. See if you can figure them out. This is Birdsong. I'm here with EJ. We're having fun and talking about the news and giving our opinions, reading some dumb criminal law stories and some riddles. There's more. I've got a good story for you coming up. Stick with us. I'm back with you. I'm here with EJ. We're having some fun on the radio. Hope you're listening. Hope you'll keep listening. Hope you're learning something. I have a story here. Not a Paul Harvey story today, but a story. It's headed, uh, Trump is following the path that got Woodrow Wilson clobbered. That's the title. It's by a fellow by the name of Russell L. Riley. He's a historian. I'll tell you more about him, but here's the story. One hundred years ago in November... The president of the United States was desperately trying to preserve his partisan majorities in Congress in the midterm elections and blew it, losing both the House and the Senate in an almost unprecedented result. The good news for Democrats today is that Donald Trump appears determined to make the very same mistakes that Woodrow Wilson made in 1918, greatly enhancing the Democrats' prospects for victory in the fall. Now, although Wilson and Trump are in many ways polar opposites, one is pious or was pious and scholarly, and the other is carnal and incurious. The two men, though, are temperamentally alike. Historians Alexander and Juliet George wrote a book about the 28th president that sounds eerily familiar today. Not only, and this is a quote, not only did Wilson grow up with a taste for achievement and power, he must exercise power alone. His will must prevail. He bristled at the slightest challenge to his authority. Another historian, Kendrick Clements, similarly emphasized Wilson's egotist, or egotism rather, noting that if he was mistaken or if he deceived himself, there was no way anyone could tell him otherwise. Angry opposition only intensified Wilson's anxieties and dictated a stubborn determination to subjugate his foes. A toxic blend of arrogance and anxiety led Wilson to catastrophic catastrophic political error in 1918. As the days shortened into autumn, Allied troops in Europe appeared tantalizingly close to bringing an end to the world war. That it dominated Wilson's second term. Great success was at hand. However, the timing of the peace was a cause for alarm in the White House. Wilson was deeply worried that the slender majorities he enjoyed in Congress might evaporate if American voters no longer felt it necessary to rally to the flag and give wartime commander like him a cooperative legislature. On October 25, 1918, Wilson issued an unprecedented written appeal to voters nation- nationwide asking them to directly foil the Republican opposition and give him a compliant Congress. Part of it reads, quote, my fellow Americans, the congressional elections are at hand. They occur in the most critical period of our country has ever faced or is likely to face in our time. If you have approved of my leadership and wish me to continue to be your unembarrassed spokesman in affairs at home and abroad, I earnestly beg you will express yourselves by returning a Democratic majority to both the Senate and the House of Representatives.
0: Beg? He was desperate.
1: Through this extraordinary bit of electioneering, taken without even consulting his cabinet, Wilson openly nationalized the midterm election. By doing so, he turned it into a vote of confidence in his leadership. Mm. This was a terrible miscalculation. What Wilson, blinded by stark egotism and political success, did not understand at the time was that the public was profoundly fatigued with his presidency. And this sentiment proved to be most powerful, a most powerful force in shaping the vote in 1918. Americans had tired of Wilson's presence in their daily lives. Wilson, like Trump, had sought to fix the nation's attention on himself, seeing the White House as the political system's primary engine in an era then dominated by Congress. To this end, Wilson, like Trump, worked to forge a direct rhetorical connection to the American people. reestablishing, for for example, a long-abandoned practice of delivering the State of the Union message each year in person. Had Twitter existed in 1918, Wilson probably would have been an early adopter. Moreover, the prosecution of the war had made Wilson's presence felt in American households unlike any president before him. Although some families had made the ultimate sacrifice, For most Americans, the burden of the war were more mundane, including an irksome series of food controls Wilson instituted to support the war effort. On the president's authority, for example, federal administrators could tell Americans how much sugar they could put in their morning coffee. In short, Wilson, like Trump, had made himself an unwelcome guest at the breakfast table where most Americans prefer to begin their days without disagreeable intrusions from the White House. And there was, based on Wilson's own proclamation, one good way for the citizens of his day to prevent more of the same. What's that? Send the opposition party to Congress to stuff, to stuff the president back into his constitutional box. What the voters did in 1918 prefigured the famous theme of Warren Harding's successful presidential campaign two years later. What was that? A return to normalcy. That was the theme. Now, to be sure, <laughs> the reasons for America's weariness with the current president differ greatly from those brought on by Wilson. Trump fatigue is largely a largely a product of the ringmaster's perpetual circus, noise, shock, and vulgar spectacle. But the fatigue is no less real. So the louder Trump gets about, his midterm, the more he repeats some variation of a vote for Cindy or a vote for David or a vote for Patrick is a vote for me, the greater is the likelihood that he will suffer Wilson's fate. Under the circumstances, many voters don't care much about whether America can be great again, but many hope only that it can be quiet again. (laughs) This historical perspective has been written by Dr. Russell L. Wiley. Riley, he's uh, the chair of the Presidential Oral History Program at the University of Virginia, Virginia's Miller Center of Public Affairs. He's also the author of the book, The Presidency and the Politics of Racial Inequality, Nations Keeping from 1831 to 1965. A nice little story and historical perspective.
0: Oh, that's very good.
1: Yeah, I thought it was very timely.
0: I'm we- very fatigued.
1: <laughs> well, we hope people go out. We hope people go out and vote. Tell you that.
0: Yeah, today is supposed to be the last day for some people to register to vote, and other states have uh, already started early voting. Please go out and vote. We need to have balance.
1: That's exactly right. We'll be back. We have some more for you. We'll have the answers to the riddles, and we will have uh, a thought for the week. I think you'll like it. This is Birdsong. I'm here with EJ. Stick with us. This is Birdsong, I'm back with you. EJ, I've read some riddles. Maybe the listeners have figured them out. Maybe you have, too. Here's the first one. Why did the dog cross the road twice? Why did the dog cross the road twice? Well, you don't have it?
0: No, what if he dropped something and had to come back and get it?
1: You're close. (laughs) The dog crossed the road twice because he was trying to catch a boomerang. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The second one is, what's black and white and black and white and green? What's black and white and black and white and green?
0: Money. Close. Newspaper. Close.
1: (laughs) The answer is, two skunks fighting over a pickle. Oh, gosh. What's white and white? And black and black and white and green. (laughs) Two skunks fighting over a pickle. Oh,
0: goodness. I didn't know they ate pickles.
1: I probably don't, but it's a good little (laughs) riddle. Yeah, yeah. All right. So
0: funny. I forgot to laugh. All
1: right. We know the last one. A fellow bought a talking parrot from a pet shop, but he returned it very quickly to get his money back. Why? He cursed. You're close. It's because the parrot used only foul language, (laughs) F-O-W-L. The parrot used only foul language, F-O-W-L. That's a good one. Okay, I thought it was pretty good, too. All right, I've been coming up with these short thoughts of the week, but here's a little longer one sent to me by my friend Bill Davidson, who sends me some things. Entitle Something to Think About. This one's called Going Small. If everyone has the same number of hours in a day, why do some people seem to get so much more done than others? How do they do more, achieve more, earn more, have more? If time is the currency of achievement, then why are some able to cash in the allotment for more chips than others? Mm-hmm. The answer is that they make getting to the heart of things the heart of their approach. They go small. Keep listening. When you want the absolute best chance to succeed in anything you want, your approach should always be the same. Start small. Going small is ignoring all the things you could do and doing what you should do. It's recognizing that not all things matter equally and finding the things that matter most. It's a tighter way to connect, connect rather, what you do with what you want. You have only so much, you have only so much time and energy, so when you spread yourself out, you end up spread thin. You want your achievements to add up, but that actually takes subtraction, not addition. You need to be doing fewer things for more effect. Going small is a simple approach to ordinary or to extraordinary results, and it works. It works all the time, anywhere and on anything. Why? Because it has only one purpose, to ultimately get you to the point. That's going small.
0: Hmm.
1: This is Birdsong. We've had a great show. Glad you listened. EJ wants to say so long to you.
0: I also want to say, those who get an increase in Social Security, be prepared for your Medicare premiums to go up to eat eat some of that. And also pay attention to the Republicans who next year are going to want to talk about cutting Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. So enjoy that COLA increase if you don't vote for Republicans to be
1: not controlling the Congress. All right. Well, I just wanted to say, I'll be in
0: Okay, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> but go look, uh, look it up online. Don't believe me. McConnell said
1: it. Au revoir. Au revoir. Auf Wiedersehen. See you next time. Bye, And bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> this is Bertrand. We'll be back with you next week.